Hello, friends. Welcome into No Pulpit Required. I am your host, Bryce Bowers, and I am just so happy that you have chosen to join us here for our second episode as we are in conversation with Reverend Tyler Heston today. Tyler is the Minister of Faith Formation here at Country Club Christian Church, and as many of you know, sadly, we will he will soon be departing Country Club to move to New York City. Um, we're also proud of Tyler and him pursuing his PhD at Drew's Theological Seminary and continuing his ministry, but I'm awfully glad that we got him for a conversation before he heads out. So um, today, the episode title is called Tattoos, More Than Just Skin Deep. And uh, I'll be honest with you, friends, I do not have any tattoos. Um, if you know Tyler, you know that he has quite a few. And and it was interesting for me to sit down in conversation to talk about a culture that, honestly, I don't know much about. Um, and I, quite frankly, learned quite a bit with talking in talking with Tyler about tattoos. And so... Um, if you are someone who participates in tattoo culture, is generally a fan of tattoo culture, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Um, but if you're not, I encourage you to keep an open mind. Maybe do something that my seminary professor would always encourage us to do, to try on this, this new um, position or way of thinking. Uh, you know how sometimes you go into a store, you see a jacket and you think, oh, I, I might want to try on that jacket. And you try it on and maybe it doesn't quite fit and you put it back on the rack and that's that. Or maybe you try it on and you think, you know, this looks and fits better than I thought. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll tr- uh, check it out a little bit more. Maybe I'll buy it, take it home with me. So I invite you to try on, keep an open mind, and uh, hopefully you'll learn just as much as I did in this conversation. So let's not delay any longer. Here's Reverend Tyler Heston here on No Pulpit Required. I'm sitting here with Reverend Tyler Heston. Hello, Tyler. How's it going today? Hello. It's hot and overwhelming this July afternoon, but it is a good day. Yeah, it is <laughs> terrible outside. I am already over the hot, and it's uh, mid-July when we're recording this, and it's actually the same day we have our um, our p- breakfast at the park day, so I am a little bit nervous for that, but I'm, I'm glad. Hot pancakes on a hot, hot day. summer afternoon. Uh, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> So, but I'm um, glad to have you in here um, today. We are talking a little bit about tattoos, but as we do here at No Pulpit Required, we always like to ask a warm-up question. So, my warm-up question for you, Tyler, is: If you had a day in Kansas City and you were people were coming in, visiting, um, seeing you from out of town, and you had to plan a day to go out to three different restaurants, three different meals, where are you going? And take us away. <laughs> oh, this is like another hobby of mine, welcoming people through a food tour of Kansas City. And so Mitch and I have been thinking, like, what will we do when we come home and come see our highlights? I think this is where we would go. We would start out at room 39, 39th Street, because we're there once a week already. Um, and they have the best breakfast in the city, or at least one of the best breakfasts. And we love them. And then after whatever we did that morning, we probably go to lunch at King G, which is like an Italian deli and cocktail bar in the crossroads. Um, and they have some of the best sandwiches. If we didn't go there, we'd go to Bay Boy for a sandwich, but I'll choose King G. Because, I always hear great things about know, Bay Boy. They have the best bread. It's the best bread. Uh, but King G has a fun array. It's a fun little swanky place inside. And if I'm off and if I'm touring around, then I'll mm. go at 1 p.m. and stay for a cocktail afterwards. There you go. Because they are the best. Um, and then for dinner, I guess it depends on how... Fancy schmancy, how much we want to spend. I would either go to Chingu in Westport, which is 
not that pricey, but shared plate, Korean barbecue inspired restaurant, some of the best food I've had, such a fun environment, like great staff, great decor, great cocktails. Or if we were feeling a little more down to earth, we'd go to High Dive, which was a dive bar that I thought was just a dive bar until I finally tried their food a couple years ago and their hamburger keeps me going <laughs> well that's my little food tour day midtown well and again I, I think that's a lot great to have some great suggestions for folks who maybe don't get out as much um but just as a reminder none of those places are sponsoring us but some free publicity for all of our friends here in the kansas city area so um well again it's so good to have you and, and today you know talking about a topic and and i'm gonna i shared this in the intro of this episode you know Maybe something that a lot of people, especially of a maybe older generation, might be unfamiliar with because it's only kind of, in my opinion, recently kind of become more culturally accepted, and that is um, tattoos. Now, I don't have any for me personally because I'm a chicken, um, but- They don't hurt that bad. See, and, and that's the thing is I, I, I've known you, I've, I haven't been here very long, I'm only knowing you for a little bit, but you are always so passionate when you talk about going to go to get new tattoos and so excited. And so I, I, I guess to start off, how many tattoos do you even oh have? Oh my gosh, Tyler? I don't know. I had a, Mitch and I had to sit down and create spreadsheets the other day because someone asked us this question. <laughs> I think I'm at 60. I think 60. I hit 60. Oh, but right. I have so many, like, so many of my buds are. Like they knew them through their apprenticeship. So I could get like little tiny free, not tiny, but small free ones. And so I, a lot of them are small, but I think I'm at 60. Wow. Or I've sat down under the tattoo gun at least 60 times, something that, like that. That's awesome. So I, why get a tattoo? Like just in a general, like what draws you to this artistic expression? Why not? No, um, I don't know. When I was younger, I always been expressed or interested in creativity, like always been interested in decoration i always had a really decorated room i've always been a collector of things so by the time i was old enough to trust what i wanted and like stable enough to afford a tattoo i i was like there was no question i want a tattoo um it was something i always wanted and i like that's one thing i've learned i think some people aren't tattooed people some people get one tattoo but some people want to be tattooed and they've never known a time in which they didn't want to be tattooed. Right. Okay. So a lot of that kind of just the, the, this idea of, I don't know, I'm trying to put a good word to it that, that really, like if you could say what draws you in, in one word, is it like expression? Expression. Is it collection? Well, is that's, it I think all the time about our conversation, I heard over, or I guess I was a part of at a party one time between a visual artist, a graphic designer, a friend of mine who, if you go to Mildred's, which is another lunch option for uh -huh. me, he did all the cool art in there. And then another one of my friends, Maddie, who's a poet, and Maddie has a bunch of tattoos. Travis has none. They were talking about, like, visual artists really get tattoos because their relationship with graphics and vis visual arts. It's It seems like visual artists are a little less quick to get tattooed, but artists of every other stripe are always so tattooed. Mm -hmm. So I'm... What is an artist? We're all artists. As a creative person, of course, it's an outlet for me because I don't do visual arts. Right. But I'm really interested in it. And I'd rather spend money on art that I can keep on my body since I move so much. And yeah. I don't have to, it's the one thing that you can't take away from me. Yeah, yeah that's so true. a good investment. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you're not, it's going to be hard to lose your tattoos in a fire. Like, you know. Something I've learned, though, through this tattoo journey of mine, one thing that keeps me going back is it's such a relational art. Instead of okay. purchasing a 
a piece from an artist at an art fair that's this canvas or a, like a sculpture or something that's not on you <laughs> like that's meaningful that can be relational especially if you like have an artist create a piece for you but the like tattoos are inherently relational because in order to make them two bodies have to sit next to each other for i guess at least 45 minutes if not five six seven hours wow and like although a lot of my tattoos were drawings that my friends or artists had already drawn up and i said i like that let's put that here a lot of them are not and so the like the relational dynamic, the conversation of where does it go? Like what subject matter do you want? Like it's something you build together. There's yeah. Really beautiful about that. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's almost this like tactile sort of way to participate in the art that you are, yes. you are collecting, you know, you, you get a painting and yeah, you might commission someone to do a painting or whatnot, but really like, it's almost giving up of yourself a little bit for yes. that artwork. Yeah. So. And it's funny talking like to tattoo artists that I know, and they all have gone through a threshold past which they're finally comfortable giving away all their art. Like mm. painters can hold on to their paintings or can keep some of them for themselves. But so often tattooists create the art and they rarely see it again. Yeah. And there's something fascinating to me about that absolutely well let's knock out just right away one of the questions something that i hear all the time i don't personally share this opinion but i hear it all the time is it, it, it's these two common knocks against tattoos just in general the first one being you'll be unhirable and second you'll regret it when you're older I don't know if you ever heard that. I'm sure you have. Time and time again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, but what do you either say to those people or how do you respond to those kind of criticisms of the art medium? Well, that's the first one. It's unhirable. I remember I must have said something to my parents in high school when I said, I want to get a tattoo someday because I was the 18-year-old who on his 18th birthday showed mm -hmm. up to a tattoo studio back home in Memphis and said, I want these lyrics tattooed on my wrist really small. They're like, we can't do that. I was too intimidated to ever go back. <laughs> but my dad was like, you'll never be hireable. And I remember saying, like, I don't want to work at a place where they won't hire me for this mm -hmm. reason, which was very much a teenage, like, the world is my oyster. I can dream of anything. But... Here I am in my 30s, and it's kind of still the same thing. Like, yeah, some people may not want to hire someone with, I don't have tattoos on my hands or neck really yet. But, like, then I don't want to work with you. We have different values, and I'd rather spend time with people and make my money in a place where my values are aligned. Um, and the case is, like, that's not the world that we live in anymore. Especially right. when I moved to Kansas City, I remember going to the grocery store for the first time, realized every single person had tattoos, whether yeah. they were the skater, or the yuppie, or something in between, or outside of whatever spectrum that would be. Um, and I, it's a faux pas no longer in our con contemporary world. Or as one of my friends put it, it should make us more hireable, because it shows that we can create disposable income, we can withstand challenging times, and we can commit to something, I, which is good. not true for other things. I don't know. That's good. I like that answer. That does make a lot of sense. And and I do think it is kind of more culturally acceptable mm -hmm. nowadays, especially. so. But, but for the regret when you're older, I always say, Tattoos are great practices in making life decisions or it exercises your decision-making muscle. And something mm -hmm. I've learned through this tattoo journey is that fear that we have, oh, am I going to regret this? On the other side is never there like we expect it to be. Like, I've been lucky. I, I'm glad I waited until I was 25 to start getting tattoos. But even as I've gotten more tattoos, I 
part of me wants to go get some of the silly tattoos I wanted when I was 18, just to recognize that part of who I am. And first you can't live your life worrying about what you might regret. Cause then you're going to sit in your house and do nothing all day. Like life's scary. So go embrace it and do things you might regret because you're going to regret not trying it more than anything else. But second, you end up learning that we don't make decisions in a vacuum, be that life decisions about where we live, what we're doing, whatever, what tattoos we put on our body. Once you make that decision and commit to it, you end up owning it more than you realize. And so regret is that tattoo parlor I went to in Memphis when I was 18 was called No Regrets. Um, and I think there was good reason for that because you, unless it's racist or like hate filled or made in a bad headspace, maybe you people rarely regret their tattoos. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the things that I've always heard about tattoo artists and the ones that have like a high ethical code. They always are like, I'm not, I'm not going to tattoo someone who's clearly inebriated mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. doesn't feel comfortable on it. And, 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 and that high ethical standard, I think people don't, sometimes take that for granted that it's not just like a decision that you make, but also the artist and kind of goes back to that collaborative effort. Like yeah. they have to also be like, I'm willing to work with you. And this is something that I know that you will enjoy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I mean, maybe probably some do and you probably know of them, but there's a spectrum. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I do think there's more to that. And I, I love what you say there about exercising the decision-making muscles and kind of leading into the, Mm -hmm. the whole whole kit and caboodle so um I, I is there would you talk like so one of the one of the knocks other knocks like there's always three knocks and then and the third one which i don't think is that prominent in our culture even from all different sides of the theological spectrum is well it says in the bible you shouldn't have tattoos feels like that's not really talked about a lot some folks who's listening to this might know that and hold to that and won't get one because of that. But I'm just curious, like, do you, do you have some sort of like spiritual connection mm. with tattooing the practice, any particular one that has a spiritual meaning to you? Yeah. Um, anything like that? I mean, I, I love spirituality because everything is spiritual. Um, right. But in particular, yeah. I think there's something about embodiment and getting in your body. That's so some context I, or something that I often think of when I'm getting tattooed is a tattooist. I have one tattoo from who's in his fifties has been tattooing longer than I think I've been alive. Um, made the comment that he's noticed people sit better if they have a good meditation practice or if they like work out regularly or mm. are in their bodies a lot. And I just think about that a lot. And um, like, like, getting tattooed, being tattooed is a practice and being embodied. And at the end of the day, I think spirituality is about connecting ourselves with ourselves in the world and the real world and our embodied world. So tattoos for me very much have become a spiritual practice because they're helping me document seasons and moments in my life. They are relational. I'd like they're creative. Creativity is a spiritual practice, but maybe underneath around above most of all, is that they are practice? They're getting me more in tune with my body. There's, I mean, most of the tattooists I work with know, like half my best friends here in Kansas City who are tattooists are all queer. There's a lot of, and all my friends who are really tattooed are queer, and we all talk a lot, especially as queer people who've had to apologize for our bodies or find mm. excuses for our bodies or just be told we're not comfortable in our bodies, whether we're trans and non binary or, in my case, just gay and, oh, we like express ourselves differently than we're quote unquote, supposed to, uh, getting tattoos is a 
liberative act and that is spiritual ah, um, it's yeah. integrating it's connecting and liberating that's awesome that's awesome so uh and to you, me it's more spiritual to break taboos than uphold them because i don't care about what leviticus says in many ways if you know me <laughs> i like jesus who broke all the taboos <laughs> well and and again that we, I, we could sit here and go into Leviticus and say cultural practices and how uh, and how it tied into cult practices of the ancient Near East. I mean, and I had shellfish last uh, night. And exactly. There's probably some, wearing some garments I'm not supposed to. Well, we may go into it one day, but that's not today. So I, let me ask you: Do you have? Can you name a favorite tattoo? A favorite tattoo? I don't know. I'm trying to think of. None of my tattoos are more spiritual than the others. I'm looking at them right now because I can't remember what I have sometimes. I have some that are theological. Like on my arm, I have a, what is this? A diagram that's taken from Marjorie Sue Hockey's book, uh, God, Christ, Church, A Primer to Process Theology. I just thought it was an aesthetically pleasing design. Mm. And it's one of my favorite theology books. And there are, I mean, what other tattoos that are spiritual? I have a Corinthian column on the back of my neck, which half is aesthetic, but the other half is a shout out to the Corinthian church, particularly the women who scholars think ran that church and did so mm. without the support of the structure. And so the Corinthian column, is just the top of it, and it's like crumbling on the bottom. So even when that support is crumbling, you can still stand tall. Something ah. I don't know, cheesy like that. And then... What else do I have a Mary Magdalene tattoo because she's half the reason I'm Christian. I love Magdalene theology. Then my best friend who just moved away um, and I got these praying hands tattooed just a couple months ago, I guess now um, with the shackles or whatever on them is this like expression of how both of us are sometimes conflicted with our relationship to religion because we both grew up in sectors of religion that did a lot of harm but were tied to it. and there's there's this liberative reclaiming of it and also it's just a good tattoo and it looks good yeah but my favorite tattoo i don't know i have a on like right in the middle of my chest i have a big piece that's a like a daffodil bunch coming out of what looks like a black hole kind of just an aesthetic element but it was a big first big piece that i got this artist is and all the artists I work with are incredible, in my opinion. But Fia is wonderful, and it's a staple. And just if I had, to, if I could only keep one of my tattoos, I think it's what I would keep. So it's not a favorite necessarily, but I love it. Yeah. So to kind of go off a little bit here, because you you kind of mentioned it with your praying hands tattoo, and you also kind of talked about it when you talked about like what draws you to the work of tattoos, especially as someone who is queer, and, and it might not be a, a theology that a lot of our folks are are familiar with, but I want to talk about like this liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you talk, you make this connection between that and reclaiming bodies, the, the liberative act of that. Um, so for those who might be unaware, could you just kind of go over kind of maybe like a broad definition if you can, I know I'm asking you this cold. It wasn't in the list of questions <laughs> of what liberation theology is and why it's so meaningful to you. Oh, well, as a white person, I do need to kind of explain some of that. Because liberation theology, like, kind of traces its history back to Latin American liberation theology. I think particularly political struggles in El Salvador. There, a lot of this, what we now know as liberation theology, traces back to not queer creatives in America with all of our privilege being able to afford tattoos, but something a lot more dire, important, mm-hmm. not important, but urgent yeah um, right so liberation theology came out of 
this idea that there are systems in the world that are harming people from flourishing in their lives, not just having enough to live, but having enough to live a meaningful life. Right. Um, and like the first generation of liberation theologists came, were doing work, community organizing, doing radical revolutionary work against really oppressive political systems in their country. Um, yet liberation theology has grown beyond that because other yeah. people have realized, oh, that's true for all of us. We all live in systems that tell people they're supposed to be X, Y, Z, that celebrate some people as normal, as powerful, as central, while marginalizing other people. Um, and liberation theology has kind of widely come to represent any of the ways in which well, not even just Christians, but people doing theological work or using their faith systems as a resource for resistance against those systems of oppression. Yeah. Um, and so it's black liberation theology, queer liberation theology. Each is very different and had like, because all of our experiences are different. But I think what they share is this idea that the sacred source from which we were created created us to live a free life, not to go wait until some fake heaven where everything's golden and magic in some afterlife far away, but finding liberation in the real world mm -hmm. and like not just talking about that and preaching about that, but putting our money and our bodies on the line so that's that right. we can create that world of liberation. So maybe that's tattoos full of trite kind of when I think of the struggle of people in our country who are, continually kept down and killed by systems of power in other countries. But there is this, we are all like my liberation is other people's liberation. We're not free until we're all free. And the right, more I can exactly. visibly embody that the more yes. I'm doing that work. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare say like, I understand the idea of like, Oh, tattoos might be down here on the spectrum of importance as compared to other work of like, um, Feeding people. <laughs> uh, feeding people and abolishing slavery mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. equal rights and all that. But at the same time, like, it is still liberating work. It's mm -hmm. still important. Mm -hmm. It's still. And it grounds it all in creativity and abundance right. and expression. Right. So at the end of the day, if we're all liberated on the outside, but still have no love for ourselves on the inside. And it almost feels like, it, it almost feels like tattoos and, and stick with me here because I'm, I'm, I'm coming with this thought maybe mid form, but like tattoos can almost be like this, this affirming of self and being mm -hmm. like, this is part of who mm -hmm. I am. What mm -hmm. I'm putting on my body, on my skin is a part of who I am. And, and I get to show that in this exterior way. Yes. It's an, it's not just embodying like, Oh, I thought it was cute and creative, but embodying a deep part of you. And so right. there's this freedom in it. I wish I could remember the name of a book, but there's an artist somewhere in, New York, I think, who published a book on tattoos as liberating practices. So if I remember that by the end of this podcast, there I'll you include go. Include that as a little recommended reading. Yeah. Because um, I read, I like skimmed through the book and she or they, I forget who the author was, talked parts. They're yeah. queer tattooists, a person of color. And so specifically from their marginalized identities, tattoos as leveraging liberation. There's resources out there. Yes, ab absolutely. And, and, and I, I think it's important to, um, especially if you are someone speaking as someone who's, you know, cisgendered white male, like, you know, and, and those in similar circumstances, it's important for us to listen to the voices of people who are unlike us Amen. because we need to, we need to be more well-rounded, good people. So, um, so one of the things we kind of touched on was the cultural appropriateness of tattoos and how that 
has become more culturally mainstream. I mean, I I, I don't know if I would call it mainstream yet, but it's getting kind of close, if not yet there. Um, Why do you think that change has happened? Because it's definitely been in our lifetimes. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I think increasingly generations care less about simple taboos. I think we still have a lot more taboos than we realize we do. But instead of these flat, like, oh, men are supposed to dress this way, women are supposed to dress this way, you're sp- like the surface level taboos we've kind of thrown to the wind. Like, mm. thank you, 60s, for starting that ball rolling. I don't know. There have always been people resisting those taboos. Um, mm. But I think that some of it we aren't in a taboo-oriented culture as much. Um, and so people are a little more, there's not that, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. There's like, oh, why not get a tattoo? Like, yeah. oh, I might get it where I cover it up when I go to work or like, I'm not going to get a head tattoo or, or hand tat the job stoppers, quote unquote, as we call them in the tattoo yeah. culture. Um, but I think some of it's just that broader thing. And I think there's more tattooers. I think for a long time, tattoo studios were predominantly male spaces that were like of a certain subculture and like, I know people in that world now and they're not as scary as I thought they were. Tattooists tend to be the nicest people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But for a long time, there was just no access to tattoos. I think a lot of people wanted them, but it was intimidating to go to this grungy tattoo studio with metal music playing and looking at all the flash on the wall that you may not resonate with and try to get the, like you had to overcome some access points. So I'm speaking particularly from Kansas city, uh, but this is true in at least bigger cities in Kansas city. And I think here, if not Memphis or Fort worth where I've lived before, but there's more and more like women tattooists, um, queer tattooists and tattooists too. I think for a long time, tattooists were interested in the, it's still the art of it, but more the science or the technicality of it. Like, okay. how do you get this ink and skin ah, and less okay. about the design and art? And there's more and more tattooists who are starting out as artists who are getting into tattoos, which they have a different learning curve of how to place their designs on bodies and the technicality yeah. of it still. Um, but for example, the first tattooist that I've worked with, who's now a lifelong best friend, Kat is family to me. Kat was a studying illustration and then came across a tattooist who they really liked and realized, Oh, if their art makes for good tattoos, I think mine will too. And now they're one of the most like well-known tattooers in Kansas city. And like there's, there's more of a, artistic spectrum, artistic flair and tattooing. And I yeah. think 20, 30 years ago, you kind of got the sailor Jerry, all the traditional right. images, which I like a lot more than I did before I started getting tattoos. And I think once you get into tattooing, you realize those traditional tattoos look really good, mm-hmm. but some people that's not their style. So they're not going to get a tattoo. And that's one right. reason I did wait so long is I'd seen tattooists in Fort Worth and Memphis, but none of their art really resonated with me. So it took me until I found an artist who I said, I really like their aesthetic. I'll get their work on my body. And I think there's just so many more tattooers out there. So many more people are willing to get tattoos. Well, it's fine. And again, it goes back to what you said to begin is it's a relational mm-hmm. form of media. And so not media, uh, art. Yes. An art medium. Art, yeah. medium. Well, and that's and, like the good advice. If, if someone's like, I want to get a tattoo, but I don't know what. Set aside the specifics first and look for an artist with whom you resonate. Because once you find that artist, it kind of all flows from there. That's that's really good advice. So some other advice or some questions that I know folks have. Does it hurt? Yes, it does hurt. (laughs) But it's not honestly, it's to me, the pain gets worse after it's done. 
like you, your body goes into some mild form of shock. Again, it's kind of like meditation or something. It's a weird headspace. Once you get going, the tattoo could be an hour, three hours, five hours. The first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes are the annoying parts. In between, as long as it's not on a knee or a foot or something, it's pretty smooth. It's not too bad. It's more annoying than painful. Like, yes, it's pain, but it's annoying. Afterwards, however, the healing it, for a couple days, it kind of feels like a scraped knee or scraped mm-hmm. skin. And then it's itchy as anything. Uh, and so like, uh, like I have this big piece on my inner arm. It took like this is he's been tattooing for 30 years. So it took him an hour and a half and it was not that bad. And it like some of this goes up almost into my armpit. And I was scared of how it was going to hurt. It was not that bad. He was not too heavy handed. He was smooth. He knew what he was doing. It was smooth. Afterwards, I felt like I was sick just because the shock of my body. So uh, it is a physical experience. Um, some placements hurt worse than others, but overall, there's a reason so many people do it. It's some, it's way more durable than I thought it would be. Okay. And after a week, it may be a little itchy, but then it's there. And then three weeks later, you're making appointments to get another one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you have a like a favorite tattoo story or anything? Or? Favorite tattoo story. I know you've shared some of your 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 ones that you have and the meaning behind them, but mm-hmm. is there any that you can kind of say, "Oh yeah, I this this is this is one that I have a good story behind." That's a lovely little question. I mean, I have silly little sticky stories for all of them. Mm-hmm. Or like, I have a Lacroix can tattooed on my thigh, but instead of Lacroix, it says like the title of one of my favorite songs. Oh, okay. I just love the shock reaction of that. <laughs> I mean, that's so on my thigh, I have a one of the hardest pieces to get. Then, like, if you're looking for your first tattoo and you don't know tattooers, find an experienced tattooer because it'll go by quicker. I've worked with a lot of apprentices. My friend Gretchen was a painter before she was a tattooer and brilliant color work. Most of her tattoos are line work, black and gray. So I, I was like, I want you to do like a organic looking floral tattoo for me. So we took a clipping from the first house plant I ever bought, a parlor palm that still have eight years later and she like took a picture of it and tattooed it straight from the picture so instead of making her own art she did it straight from the plant and it took seven hours and it was exhausting and there's like eight shades of green in this little tattoo and she just took her time because she had never done that type of work before but it's beautiful it's one of my most beautiful tattoos and i love that it's like a piece of my home that i carry with me that's awesome other i mean there's so many just little ones that don't mean a whole lot, but like the tattoo that Mitch and I got instead of wedding rings on our ring finger, we wanted to get a tattoo because it's cheaper than a ring. That's, it's that's gonna last sure. longer. <laughs> I ain't gonna lose it. <laughs> but we couldn't decide what because just finger tattoos, a lot of things don't look good on the fingers because it's a small canvas that doesn't age too well. Um, but one of our favorite musicians had some album artwork with a lot of little embellishments in it. And we said, hey, why don't we do that? So we walked into a, a shop that we knew was good, but didn't know who we would get tattooed from. Turns out the dude who did it, like just tattooed my friend's fingers two weeks prior and Sabrina's partnered with a tattooist. So like Sabrina sought out this artist. We found the right artist to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And we were going to pick different emblems, embellish like different 
icons from this artwork and just choose one and they would look similar but we end up choosing the same one and it was nice. cute to go to that artist's concert a couple months ago and see that emblem like all throughout her imagery still and i was like that's our sign <laughs> so a lot of the cool stories i think you build with your tattoos come over time like yeah. the tattoo takes on new meaning on the other side so don't fret too much about how much a tattoo means because it won't mean what you think it does in a few years. That's, that's awesome. okay. That's freeing. Yeah, absolutely. I have funny stories of passing out during getting tattooed, but you can find me for coffee and <laughs> we'll talk about those later. <laughs> Drink water and eat before you get tattooed. Yeah, good advice. So I guess my ending question here as we're kind of wrapping up is, what's the most important thing you would want to make sure that everyone listening to takes away today about tattoos? Don't judge people like so many of the taboo around it, like what other people do with their body is not your business unless they're mm -hmm. harming themselves or others, which goes for so many things. Like I think doing work around queer inclusion, like I don't want to be included. I want to live in a world where people I'm already there, like where people aren't judging in the first place for tattoos too. like, I mean, I, I don't judge people's tattoos. I celebrate good tattoos when I see them. Um, but that's, I always say that there's no such thing as a bad tattoo, except for the tattoo that you always wanted and never got because you were afraid you might regret it. Mm. There are bad tattoos. Again, racist, homophobic, like hate signs, whatever. Those are bad tattoos. But I, one of the things, even for myself, I learned, like I used to think I was going to be way more picky with what I got tattooed on my body, way pickier. And I've not been nearly as picky as I thought because it's about the experience as much as anything else, which is hard to understand until you kind of go through it. Um, but don't worry about what other people are doing. Celebrate, like celebrate when other people express themselves. And I think we, we're all, we will all live happier lives and we don't need to feel okay about what we're doing because other people are, are not doing it. Do what Absolutely. you want to do and, get tattooed <laughs> oh that's great well with that i like i said i appreciate you coming in talking about something Thank that definitely is not something that's talked about from the pulpit but is a good important conversation at the very least and um as as many folks who would be listening to this know you and mitch are getting ready to move to new york <laughs> as very soon and and i know we're all gonna miss you guys here in kansas city but no your guys are off to big wonderful things in the big city and so there are so many tattooers there and i'm <laughs> my friend fia who did the big piece on my chest moved to new york a couple years ago chase your dreams when they were 12 years old they said i want to work with this famous tattooist in brooklyn and go do it big and when they were 20 they were working with this famous tattooist in nice. brooklyn so i will have a GoFundMe up on my facebook soon so you can donate to my tattoo fund <laughs> kidding 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 but yes all right sad and excited for what's ahead all right. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you for listening to No Pulpit Required. Our producer is Dan Warnicke. Shannon Gammon is our publicity manager. No Pulpit Required is a ministry of Country Club Christian Church. Here at Country Club Christian Church, we are committed to meeting you where you are and walking alongside you on your spiritual journey to a life with greater meaning. Find out more at cccc, that's four C's, kc.org. The views expressed in this podcast are of the individual and not necessarily the views of Country Club Christian Church.